have your Bible, whether old school analog or digital, point it at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. I don't believe, well, in fact, I know it's not an accident that these verses come where they come. As, as we studied last week, uh, oh, and, 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 and by the way, I'm so grateful for the addition of Brother Chad Moore to the voices of our teaching team. I praise God for his voice and look forward to hearing more from him and, and being more a student of his in time to come. Uh, the chapter and verse divisions in scripture, you know, are not a part of the original text. They were imposed later, and I'm glad, to give us a way to find stuff so we don't have to, I don't know, count paragraphs or sentences or something to find our way around. So in a book like James, that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sort of began life as a letter, it's important to remember that the that the, the, the structure of James is that of a letter. Uh, the old pastor James is writing to the, to the scattered, predominantly Jewish churches, and he's writing these encouragements. So he's just finished this critical explanation that while salvation is absolutely by grace alone, through faith alone, that if there is no transformation, if there are no works reflective of the presence of that salvation, then that salvation's not there. It's not real. There's no such thing as an untransformed Christian. We, we will and must demonstrate via our lives the authenticity of our salvation. And then, the very next thing he raises, the very first category of works that flow right out of that is our verbal output, our speech. And we may as well make certain we're clear on this early, though he, he's speaking specifically he speaks of, of the tongue. What he has in view, I used the term a moment ago, verbal output. He's not just talking about the stuff we literally say. He's talking about all the words that are attributable to us. Some of y'all are sweethearts in face-to-face -face conversations, but give you a smartphone or a keyboard, and whoa. What is in view here is all the words you put out in whatever form, on whatever platform. Don't assume that because social media did not exist in the first century, that James is not addressing it here. As well as, of course, our literal use of our voices. Okay, Roman numeral one, the power of speech. Verses one through five, James chapter three. 
Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We'll come back to that in a moment. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. The power of speech. He leads into this paragraph with a bit of a warning. Um, it should not be the case that, that many of you should become teachers because when you become a teacher, when you become one who speaks publicly, you are judged with greater strictness. Now, this may have in, my, in view, and I, I believe it probably does, that there is a, there is a divine oversight. There is a, 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 a sense in which if you're, gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna stand up in front of a few hundred people and share with them what God has said in his word, you're nuts if you don't feel the burden of that. And that's certainly in view here, but it's not merely that. You will be examined even by people when you come into this role. Let me show you what I mean. Tell the truth. How many of you since you walked out of church last Sunday, if you were here, how many of you have participated in at least some conversation about how Brother Chad did? Come on, come on. All right, quite a few, good. Now, setting aside your life group teacher, how many of you had a conversation about how anybody else did Sunday morning? The lights are bright, but I can't see a soul. So Brother Chad, because he stood here and taught, is judged with greater strictness regarding last Sunday than anybody else. That goes with the territory, and you better know it, right? There's another principle in play in these verses, and I think it's an important one. Letter A on your outline your speech is more powerful than you might suspect. Your, your stream of words coming out of your mouth has more impact than what you might at first suspect. And he gives us a word picture. This title that I've chosen this morning, Principles and Pictures, because through this whole uh, passage of scripture, he's alternating back and forth between articulating principles and then giving us these vivid word pictures. He gives us two here, the bit and the rudder. I've not been around horses a lot. I know some of you all are. Every time I, I get near them, the, the, main, the main thing that I observe about horses is horses are big. Horses are big. I, I, um, I profess, a, I, Gail and I are dog people, y'all know that by now, and I, I profess I like big dogs. 
Horses make my dogs look small. It's like an animal that's eye to eye with me or a little bit more. That's big. A bit is a metal cylinder. A little bit, a little bit greater in diameter than, than, than your thumb. About, about yay big in diameter. And in, in, in length, it's designed to be about the width of the horse's mouth. Maybe a little bit more. Some of y'all that are horse people and you email me all your technical corrections for about what a bit is and isn't, I told you I ain't been around horses much. But I understand the theory that that, that metal cylinder is set back in the back of the mouth of Mr. Horse. And, and by means of the reins transmitting your intentions through that little piece of metal, comparatively little piece of metal, that big old beastie knows which way he's supposed to go from that tiny little piece of metal that doesn't, you could, you could, you could hide it in both hands. Think of a ship. The rudder is a, is a, is a, is a plane, a two-dimensional piece of, uh, of, of wood or steel that's on the, on the back of our metal, on the back of that ship and, and by, by just slightly shifting it, the pilot of the ship can affect the way the water flow is coming down the hull of that ship and point that much larger vessel in whatever direction. It's kind of remarkable when you think of the tiny little bit, the tiny little rudder making the, the larger thing go. Your tongue it's much smaller than your brain. It's smaller than your heart. It's smaller than your hand. In fact, by, uh, by body weight, it weighs less than 1% of your, of your weight, assuming sort of normal proportions. There's not really much to it. And yet, the the navigational power. When I was 21 years old, I spoke promises. Gail spoke promises. And we went from being two single people to being a married couple because of, of words. When I was approaching 10 years old in the fall of 71 in response to his revealed grace I cried out to my Lord turning from my sin and trusting him by faith and he saved me and the moment that I passed from eternal death to eternal life is marked by speech and the power of the tongue every job you've ever gotten was probably tied to an interview, a conversation, the use of words. They, they define the chapters of our life, this one tiny little piece. And how catastrophic can it be when we misuse words, when we harm rather than blessed, when we say dumb 
stuff. There's a proverb. Proverbs 21, 23. And it'll, it'll be on the screen, but you can also write down the address and check. Proverbs says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Principle, application, letter D, the application, our takeaway. Speak cautiously. Speak cautiously. Deliberately. See, the, the highest assignment in your life, the, the defining role before all other roles you occupy, if you are a child of God, is that role of an ambassador of Christ. That is, you are a representative of a foreign power sent into this place to deliver your king's message. You're that before you're anything else if you're a child of God. And your words should drive that priority more passionately than they drive any other priority. Speak cautiously. And if your words are steering your life in a direction that is not reflective of your ambassadorial assignment, something is seriously off. Roman numeral two. Not only the, the power of the tongue, but also the poison of the tongue. Verses six, seven, and eight. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. There's nothing in those three verses to encourage speech. There's nothing in the, those three verses are saying, rein it in. It's dangerous. Once you give it running room, it's gonna tend to run in dangerous, poisonous, bad directions. The principle, letter A on your outline, that is captured in these three verses is this. Your speech is more dangerous than you might suspect. That guy tooling down 75 in dry weather who flips a cigarette butt out his window and burns down hundreds of acres probably never even realizes that it was his specific little spark that torched all those woods. That's the way of it with little sparks, and that's the way of it with words. 
So the pictures are a forest fire and an untamed, poisonous animal. The proverb. Proverbs 10, 19. The word of God says, when, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I have a friend who, who does some premarital counseling and in his premarital counseling, in the session about, about conflict, he gives the, the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be each a travel-sized tube of toothpaste, one of those little ones. And he says, all right, I'll take the top off. Here's what I want you to do. Just, just pinch it. You know, get it between your thumb and your finger. And I want you to run the toothpaste out as fast as you possibly can. Just grab the toothpaste tube, pull it through your finger, and run out all the toothpaste as fast as you can. Good. Now, put it back. As some of us have learned with words, that put it back part is tough. Easy to let it run once it's running. Impossible to put it back. I don't even have to ask how many of you all have had a conversation and you've walked away from it saying, I cannot believe what just came out of my own mouth. I don't even have to ask because every, I asked in the earlier service about half the people raised their hand and I told the other half they would need to repent of lying. <laughs> so I'm gonna save putting you in a situation where you're gonna sin in the event you'd be the half that wouldn't raise your hand. There's nothing worse than that moment after you press send or post and the very next moment you realize you should not have. See, you're here to tell people about Jesus. You're here, you're here so that lost neighbor, that lost connection at work that lost person who goes to school with you. You are here as an ambassador so that they will hear the king's message. And when you're spewing all kinds of words about lesser stuff, worse, filling the air with arguments on lesser subjects, You are obscuring, diminishing, even damaging your capacity to function as an ambassador, which is the whole reason you're here. The ambassador from Peru does not show up at the White House and argue about the Super Bowl. You're an ambassador. The king has given you a message to convey. He has committed to you the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, it's easier to talk about pandemics and politics, especially in 2021 when that's what the public conversation is about. But how easily our words can run to evil and useless places 
So what's our takeaway? What's our application? Speak less. Speak less. There are myriad topics out there that are gonna get along just fine without you contributing your expertise. The world will continue to turn and the sun will rise tomorrow even if you don't respond to that post. By the way, that was not an impression. That was a peek into my office. God help me. I almost said God help us. God help me. James 1.19, just a page over in your Bible, says, be slow to speak. I'll tell you what I, slow down. Slow down. Is the cause of the kingdom of God going to be advanced by what I think I have to say? Jesus said it like this in Matthew 12, 36. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Boy, I don't wanna think how in the past I have often made that particular odometer spin. Every careless word. Which leads us to Roman numeral three, the potential of speech. This, this was a breathtaking moment for me. I've, I've read the book of James, I've taught the book of James, but when I read with it, that is with our speech, verse nine, we bless our Lord and Father. That was a lean back in the chair moment for me. We, uh, we think sometimes of blessing in terms of the, the, the things God gives us. That thunderstorm uh, that, that happened, at, at, uh, for me at least, there was a little bit of rain noise, and then at three o'clock, if you live within the sound circle of where that thunderclap was, it was a good one. Um, and uh, I was thankful that the Lord has blessed me with a roof over my head so I can listen to the sound of the rain while staying dry. Thank you, Jesus, for my roof. When we think of blessing, we sometimes think of, of things we need that God has given us, but that's not what's in view here because God doesn't need anything we have. So in what sense can we actually bless our Lord? We please him. We please him in a way that he notices. Imagine. King of kings, the ancient of days. That is, the one who was eternally old before we started counting days. Goes, wow, I like that. Because of something I do with this tiny little thing that flaps around in my mouth. Or comes out of my keyboard. We can... Bless our Lord. Reading on, with it we, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. 
Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Here's the principle. Your speech, wisely used, can accomplish bigger things than you might suspect. You have the capacity to be involved in things that are literally eternal with this tiny little tongue. With this capacity to produce words, you can be a part of things that will literally be forever. The pictures he uses here, another pair of them. First, salt versus fresh water. And I know that, especially living in Southwest Florida, salt water has its uses. Uh, he's, not, he's not indicting salt water, but his, his idea here is water that is refreshing and drinkable versus water which is not. And then the picture of uh, a, a, a plant, a vine, that produces appropriate fruit. If you, if, you, if, you, if you know that's a grapevine, and it is evidently a grapevine, there's something very, very wrong if it starts pushing off figs. Likewise, a uh, figs tree starts pushing off olives. Something, something's freakishly wrong. We say that we're followers of Jesus Christ, those of us who would say that that we're ambassadors of the King of Kings. How does the passion of our speaking align with that? How does the proportion of our speaking align with that? I am on earth as an ambassador of the King of Kings, but most of what I'd like to talk to you about is something else. That's senseless. What I get most fired up when I talk about is something else. That's weird. That's jarringly weird. The proverb I've selected for this section is Proverbs 15:2. The tongue of the wise commands knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Letter D, applications. There are three takeaways that I think can be bundled together. The first is when you speak, speak with intent to bless both the Lord and others. Speak with intent to bless. You say, well, Brother Russell, sometimes you have to correct. You think I don't know that? Some of you, when you get in a fight with somebody you love, some of you, even when you get in an argument with your spouse, your intent is mostly to win. Score all the points you can at whatever cost. No. Even in conflict, even in correction, 
I don't remember the bonehead mistake I made. It was a lot of years ago. But during the time that I served at Bellevue, a guy named Bob Sorrell was the church's executive pastor. To, to, to be clear, it was a, I was a tiny little piece of a great big org chart. And, and Sorrell was my boss's boss's boss. He wasn't my boss, he wasn't my grand boss. He was my great grand boss. And I was much younger than I am now. Not that, not that only young people make bonehead mistakes. But I, as a young person, had a spectacular capacity for bonehead mistakes. And I don't remember what I did. It's a testimony to God's grace. But I remember I made some sort of true bonehead mistake at work. So much so that I was called into the office, get this, of my boss's boss's boss. If you're an old movie fan, you remember that, that moment in The Wizard of Oz when they're walking down that long green hall and they know the wizard is at the other end? That's what it felt like going into Sorrell's office. I felt like, who pulled my tail? You know, I mean, it's, it's, this is not gonna go well. Because I knew what I had done. There were the, the facts were not in dispute. So as I got into his office, he said, have a seat, Russell. Yes, sir. We love you here, man. We're so glad to have you around. And not only do we love you, we love the work that you have done here. You've done amazing work. And we're excited about the work you're going to do here. And here's the beauty of it. Because of that bonehead mistake you made and because of the lessons you're going to learn from it, you're more experienced than you've ever been. I imagine you've learned quite a lot since your bonehead mistake. So take that experience, go out there and serve Jesus with everything you've got. I just got chewed out. And yet I left that office going, I got this. There was no lack of correction. There was no lack of clarity. What there was was a lack of cursing and instead a presence of blessing. And that's just in a little work-related conversation. You know the most blessed thing you can have in a conversation? You wanna bless God and bless your, your neighbor? Tell them about Jesus. Some of us have got neighbors that if they died today, they would go to hell unwarned. Some of us have family members that would die unwarned. Some of us have people we go to school with that have never heard us explain to them how salvation by grace through faith is available for all who will repent. You wanna bless God, tell somebody about Jesus. Second, when you speak, speak to refresh like a drink of good water, not to just attack. Third, speak to produce consistent fruit. If you say you're an olive tree, push out olives. If you say you're a follower of Christ, push out the message of his salvation in your talking, in your texting, in your typing, in the word flow that comes out of your life. 
produce consistent with what you say you are. As I studied this passage, a burden, a burden I've carried for a while, it was greatly increased. As a congregation, me included, we know how to produce words. We are some prolific talkers, some really good writers. And there's a lot of words that come out of us. But we're not telling enough people about Jesus. Not even close. Not with the word capacity that's in this room right now. We're real good at putting out words. But I am convicted that as a body of Christ, say we're following Jesus, who profess that we have been loved by him, we need to undertake in our community to love better.